What's up, everybody? My name is Dominic Sekira, and you're listening to Actionable Impact, a podcast that answers questions about impact investing and provides investors, entrepreneurs, and everyone else in the finance community with actionable insights to better navigate the sea of opinions, products, and services offered in sustainable and impact investing. My guest today is Asteria's co-founder and chief investment officer, Guido Bolliger. Guido has more than 25 years of experience in managing and developing systematic investment strategies. Prior to Asteria, Guido was the chief investment architect and head of quantitative strategies at Seats Asset Management. As a visiting professor at the University of Michâtel's Institute of Financial Analysis, Guido contributes on a regular basis to the Faculty of Economics. His experience and vast knowledge in the field of quantitative and systematic investing is at the core of Asteria's impact model. We are sitting down today to discuss the viability of using impact as an investment factor in the investment process. So Guido, uh, thanks for taking the time. Welcome thanks the for episode. having me. Of course, happy to have you. Um, let's start the discussion really about one main question that gets asked on, on my side of the business from, from investors and potentials alike is um, kind of this, this understanding of where does ESG and sustainability stop and where does impact start? You know what is what is it, and and how yeah. you know how can you use it? Yeah. To to summarize, I think uh, ESG is about the how. Mm-hmm. How does a company produce, and when it produces, what is its environmental footprint? How does it deal with its stakeholders, employees, suppliers, uh, local communities, and how uh, it's uh, how is it managed from a governance point of view? So that it's, it's about, you know, read the how. Uh, impact is about the why. So what does the company produce? Why does it produce? And it's more about the purpose of the, of the company uh, products and services. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, these are two very complementary concepts. So uh, it's not your ESG or impact. You know, I think nowadays every investment process integrates ESG. And impact investing, at least in our process, integrates ESG as, mm-hmm. as a decision criteria, as an, an analysis criteria for the for the companies we put in the portfolio. But these are two very different concepts. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, you know ESG is now something which is very common. We know that uh, roughly forty percent of the total asset and the management in equities worldwide are integrating ESG. Impact is still something nascent, where we have uh, maybe one or two percent of the total asset under management that are uh, that are focusing on, on impact. So it's a it's a it's a different debate. So that's the main that's the major difference. Right. So so really, kind of that ESG is about how a company is behaving. Yeah. And impact is really about finding out what the products, technologies, and services are solving yes right? exactly which which problem is being solved and what's what are they putting a dent into exactly very interesting so in in that context you know do you find you said they were complementary but is there some things you know which esg does quite well um and impact does better and or is there something where maybe esg can't do 
and impact can? Um, are there certain things? And I guess ultimately the, the question is, I guess, how useful is ESG? Yeah. And it, it obviously has its limitations. Otherwise, we wouldn't be going to impact. But, you know... Yeah, I, I think, you know, ESG for me, if you, if you look at ESG for me, it's a, it's a way to mitigate risk and uh, avoid, avoid investing in companies that are, that are behaving irresponsibly because at the very end, you know, uh, if you behave irresponsibly, you, you will pay the price. So yeah. that's the... That's so really excluding the, the bad boys. Yes, excluding of, the bad boys and that's yeah. a way to manage risk. That's a way probably to have less controversies in your portfolio. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's not a source of alpha, we know. It's a, it's a free lunch. So that means by excluding these bad boys, you, you don't perform uh, less than you know, those that don't do that. Mm -hmm. So you need to do that and you have to do that, I think, because it's, it's, it's costless. But it's not, it's not a way to generate alpha in the long term. And now we have more and more academic studies that are showing that you know, companies that have high G scores don't underperform, but don't outperform either. Mm -hmm. And I think also that, uh, and to come back to this free lunch, I, I think that the, the current debate on shareholder value maximization versus stakeholder, uh, stakeholder value maximization, you know, you have the anti-ESG, they say, no, if you want to, uh, to have good companies, you need to focus on those that are maximizing shareholder value. I, I, I disagree. I, I disagree. I think you know that uh, you know the companies which have which have managed you know responsibly at the very end, uh, they will be able to deserve value to their shareholders and their stakeholders just by just growing the pie, right? Sure. Yeah. And uh, and and that's that's thing that's something that I think it's is very important. A lot of come a lot of people that are anti ESG they claim that you know. Uh, they have a fiduciary duty and that they, they, they need to uh, to serve the interest of their uh, clients first or the investor first but i think you can do both and that's uh, that doesn't that doesn't come at a cost now what can impact do that esg can do i think you know typically if i take the most now up to date uh, actual example is tackle the energy transition right we're talking about reducing the carbon footprint of the companies in the in the economy mm -hmm. and you know of course uh, by producing more efficiently companies that can reduce the carbon footprint and uh, that's a big part of you know this the transition but it's yeah. not enough yeah. it's not enough in order to be able to to solve and to uh, and and to reach the the paris agreements for instance and to uh, and to uh, go smoothly through this climate transition, you also need companies that have products, services, and technologies that enable to avoid emissions, for instance, that enable to accelerate the, this transition and not only reduce their emissions. Right. And that's yeah. typically one aspect that ESG doesn't tackle and that impact investing does. Right. right. And you can do both. You can do you can, you can have the best of both worlds. So you can build portfolio where you have companies that are low emitters and on top that contribute to accelerate the transition by being innovative, by having product and services that, that solve this issue. I, I think I'm thinking about hydrogen producers, uh, 
uh, I'm, I'm thinking about lead bubble producers, uh, this type of companies. I'm thinking about, uh, you know, also uh, public transportation companies that uh, that promote public transportation and, you know, avoid, you know, people taking their car every day alone mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there be also contribute to reduce emissions. Yeah, absolutely. But always with the keen eye on the actual product or service themselves, you know. This is, I think this is the, the kind of the main point here is that people start to understand a little bit that ESG is, is quite a limited form of assessment of a company. And while focusing exclusively on ESG, you do accentuate a blind spot. You are missing out on a lot of good or bad that companies are doing on the impact side, right? Is, is, is that a viable way of, of summing that up? I, I think I think we need we need to be careful. I think uh, it's it's like you know in every market in every industry, uh, you have always the early adopters that uh, you know somehow uh, entered into ESG uh, ten years ago and mm-hmm. now they've fully integrated this concept and now they're going to the next step and the next step is I would say first solving the climate issues. Yeah, through impact investing, for instance, yeah. uh, or you know, having you know uh, transition strategies which are aligned with the Paris Agreement. But you, you need to leave the time to people. Uh, you, there mm-hmm. are still a lot of early adopters, early entrants in this market, especially on the institutional side. And for them, you know, they they've put the foot in the in the water. Uh, yeah. They're looking how how the water how cold the water is. And I think uh, the next natural step for them will be to go a bit further mm-hmm. and to go towards uh, strategies like impact investing, which are a bit different from a risk point of view because uh, they tend to be more concentrated. Um, they're more, they, 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 uh, they, they clearly have uh, sector bets that you don't have to take in, uh, in ESG strategies. And I think that... Uh, with the time, people will also see that there are a lot of growth opportunities in impact investing, mm-hmm. and they will transition. At least part of them will start to transition to to impact investing. Very interesting. So there is a cycle. It's a, it's a bit like you know we are for for cryptos. You had the you had the early investors. Now it's 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 being it's a, it's more democratized. And yeah. I think in the in the impact and ESG world, this will also happen. Very interesting, and I mean. You know, when it's funny you mentioned crypto, but whenever there is this kind of transition or something new being implemented, um, the, there is always the question, how do I, before you can implement it, you need to know how, how can I measure it? How can I quantify mm-hmm, it? Mm-hmm, yeah. And and I guess that would be the, the sort of next question I have is, yeah, okay, we are, we know what impact is, but where do I even, as an investor, where do I even start mm-hmm. to to quantify? Is If I look at my existing portfolio, let's say I'm a pension fund or an institutional investor otherwise, and I have this existing portfolio, ESG, I feel quite comfortable with. I know where to go. If I Google ESG analysis, mm-hmm. I will quickly end up on the MSCI website. Um, but when I do the same for impact, I face a bit more trouble. So can you give maybe some more color onto how impact is quantified? Yeah, I think I've, the first thing I can do to answer this question is, is to go back to the uh, the formal definition of impact investing. If you go, you Google impact investing, you will highly probably land on the gene, 
website, mm -hmm. so the mm -hmm. Global Investor, uh, Impact Investor Network. Mm -hmm. And there, the definition is pretty clear. So you have to invest with international intentionality. So when you invest, you want to invest to have a positive impact. Mm -hmm. That's the first. Second, you want to generate uh, impact comes alongside with financial returns. So it's not philanthropy. And uh, in the mind of several people's impact investing perhaps still appear as something that is more philanthropic than financial. But that's four. That's, that's not true. There are associated returns and uh, and uh, impact investing. We will talk about it a bit maybe later. Is a, a source of long term capital growth. And the third part, and this is where I think uh, an investor has to focus, is measurability. Yeah. So if someone proposes you a product that is an impact product. It needs to propose your product where impact is properly measured, mm -hmm. and that's the whole challenge, right? Right. Uh, that you would think so, yeah. That's the whole, that's the whole challenge. Mm -hmm. If you go, you find a, a fact sheet or a product, and you see that impact is not measured, and that concretely you don't know by investing in this fund how much impact you will have, then for me it's not impact. So for me, that's what separates maybe ESG from thematic and impact investing yeah but it's a it's a challenge uh and uh, measuring impacts and quantifying impact is a challenge it's a technical technological challenge because uh you need to be able to assess you know uh how much you will how much co2 emissions for instance you will be able to avoid by investing in a in a financial products mm -hmm. how much you know, cubic meters of water you will be you will contribute to save mm -hmm. or not to waste by investing in the product. How, how many tons of waste you will be able to recycle, and then how does this translate in terms of CO two emissions avoided? So, yeah, that's that's these are complicated matters, and uh, and I think that uh, financial people are not literate in this. this it's a completely different science than financial science it's environmental science yeah and uh you need to uh, apply knowledge which is out of the scope of financial uh, of financial economics it's it's really environmental economics environmental science that's right yeah and uh typically that's what we've done uh at asteria when we when we wanted to to measure the impact of our funds we've we we addressed this the, the problem to the uh, epfl in lausanne and yeah. we, we worked together with them on a six months long project in order to be able to assess the impacts of our funds. And now we are so far, at least on the environmental part. Yeah. Uh, next challenge is, of course, on the social part. Yeah. But on the environmental part, we are there. And uh, I don't think that we have a lot of competitors out there that are able to, to do that. So that's for me what distinguishes you know what a really what impact investing is i think very often it comes with the with intentionality for sure yeah with financial returns hopefully yeah but most of the time it doesn't come with the measurability and uh that's what you should look at before investing absolutely and and i think you know the, depending on which route you go down clearly we've gone down the the quantitative route of measuring um and for a lot of people I think that is a, a very clear dichotomy is either you say, I'm going to do this impact measurement on a qualitative base, 
So I'm going to call the CEOs. I'm going to, I'm going to have a weekly dialogue, if, if you will, with a few companies. But those portfolios ultimately end up being quite concentrated with high tracking errors. They're, they're somewhere completely um, disconnected from, from broader markets. But our approach specifically is, is like, or your approach is the, the big data approach, right? The, the data science approach. Um, is there any particular data points which you find extremely val valuable? Like, for example, you know, when it comes down to revenues, you know, so revenues is something you can measure, you can see in a lot of companies and linking those revenue lines with a certain impact. Um, you know, can you go into a little bit of depth on, on, on that process? Yeah. How to, you proceed to go to, to, to go back to your the the, the, the first sentence of uh, of your statement uh, measurability measurement is quantitative right yeah. there's no way you can measure something yeah. uh, without numbers sure right so <laughs> uh, so yes you're right some people do that more uh, I wouldn't clarify that qualitatively but they do that on a company by company basis, mm -hmm. they they call, for instance, a, a wind farm producer and they say, okay, how many wind farms did you produce? Then if they're more sophisticated, they can even uh, eventually look at where these wind, where these, uh, uh, windmills have been, have been built mm -hmm. and then uh, use some wind statistics and eventually collect the statistics of the windmills, the, the, the production of each windmill. Yeah. And then you have the the tons or the gigawatt hour of green energy that has been produced. And mm -hmm. you can easily translate that in tons of CO2 emissions avoided. Right. Yeah. yeah. But uh, that's, that's a quite cumbersome work. Yes. You need to go company by company. Yeah. I imagine yeah. you're going to need to aggregate uh, typically the, uh, the, a measure, a measure like this with uh, another measure, which will be more expressed in typically uh, uh, cubic meters of water uh, yeah. avoided. So there, there are a lot of challenges there. And, and more importantly, by doing so, you won't be able to address, I would say, the impact of what we could call uh, enabling products. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that means a semiconductor. I know that semiconductors are used through the entire value chain yes. in the uh, in the clean and smart energy production, they used for solar panels, they, they used for windmills, they used in smart grids, they used in lead bubbles, everywhere. And that's typically something that you cannot quantify if you adopt this company by company approach. Yeah, right? I can, yes, exactly. It's, that's it's, very clear. Yeah. That's that's mm -hmm. not possible. Yeah. But that's something which is uh, important, that's important, right? So you, this is part of the, it's like if you wouldn't consider scope two and three emissions for for uh, for greenhouse I mean, greenhouse gas emissions yeah which is a which is a complete neglect that, yes yeah. and uh so so that's that that requires uh that requires clearly me a measurement methodology which is a bit more sophisticated than just this uh bottom-up assessment mm -hmm. and uh and for that yes you need data you need data and uh, what we're using at asteria together with the pfl is uh what we call input output tables these input-output tables are giving you somehow an overview of the flows of the entire value chain uh, of the entire economy, sector, industry by industry, from each industry to consumers, from each industry to exports, 
and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you also have the externalities of these flows, yeah. like tons of CO2 uh, produced by in each industry, how much of the CO2 produced in industry A goes to industry B, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And in order to in order to be able to quantify this indirect impact, you're going to need to somehow use the revenues of the companies and the share of revenue of the companies in each of these industries. Right. Yeah. And this is uh, this is this is typically what what we what we using. Yeah. We're using revenue data to flag the high impact companies, mm-hmm. and then we're using the same revenue data somehow to assess the importance of each company within each industry. And therefore, also their uh, their the impacts uh, of their products to, throughout the entire value chain. Yeah, yeah. And and that's that's uh, that's why data is extremely important in that case. That's highly interesting. I mean, I completely understand from your explanation now that the 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 picture that you're or the kind of view that you have or that this data gives you is very well rounded, right? So the, the question almost arises is if through using this data or by using this data and having the approach being focused in such a way, could you even go as far as to use impact by your definition as a factor to investment decision making, just like you would use value, quality, all of the ones that Warren Buffett seems to, seems to talk about every day. Um, but it, it, so, you know, do you think that impact, if used correctly, if derived from the right data sets, can be a factor that generates outperformance? Uh, I, don't, I don't think that impact is a factor, but I think that high impact firms clearly have business models, products, uh, services and technologies that have a much higher growth potential throughout the year than, you know, a tobacco company. Uh, or an old company, a fossil fuel co- a company that produces oil through fossil fuel, mm-hmm. or uh, a coal company, right? A company that produces energy through coal. Yeah. Uh, uh, because because these are generally companies that innovate, that have a lot of patents out there, that do a lot of research and development. A bit like what we saw for the for the tech companies, you know, in the in the early nineties. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and that. It's 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 not a factor, but you. I think you know there is a higher probability of finding companies that will outperform the market within this type of companies than within companies that are, for me, more you know corresponding to the old economy, right? Sure. And yeah. I I don't want I don't like to uh, to I don't like to to, uh, to to use to use the word of competitors and uh, especially not BlackRock because there you know there is a bit of in my opinion a bit of greenwashing. But I'm just referring to the 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 last letter that Larry Fink uh, yeah. sent to to its investors. And if you allow myself, uh, if you allow me, I will just mention that. Yeah, sure. He said in his letter, which was you know uh, released I think uh, early last week, uh, uh, late last week, that the next thousand unicorns won't be search engines. Or social media companies, there will there will be sustainable, scalable investors, innovators, startup that help the world to decarbonize. Right, that's just for the wow. environment impact. Wow. Yeah. But I think yes, uh, impact is uh, will be a performance driver uh, in some of the the thematics in in the forthcoming ten to twenty years. Right. 
because because money will flow into these companies to do uh, to to innovate, and we yeah. need we need innovation to be able to tackle the climate transition, yeah. for instance. And I guess by extension, our our job as an investment manager is is to find or have a mechanism to find those companies that Fink mentions in his letter and find them efficiently, find them with some consistency of yeah. of success. And, and ultimately also justify each selection with a sense, sense of conviction, right? So yeah. and you I, feel confident that the mechanism you've developed at Asteria is... is... I, would have, I would have an additional factor. Mm -hmm. If possibly, find companies that most of your competitors don't find. Yeah. That's, Which, yeah. yeah. Because I think, you know, uh, uh, investors may not want to have exactly the same portfolio if they go to... Asteria or to go to another another asset manager. Sure, and having uh, an edge over the competition. Having an edge over the competition in, in being able somehow to find uh, to, to to be a bit more, a bit a bit wider in the way you 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 start to you 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 try to detect these companies. Yeah, and yes, I think. Uh, the way to do it, I think the, the first way we already approached it is based on the revenues, right? It's very mm -hmm. easy. You do the first screen, which is based on the on the revenue. So we have, uh, you know, 400 different, we have a big database with over 400 different business activities. And the impact research team defined which activities are positive, neutral or negative for each yeah. impact thematic. So that's the first the first thing. Then you can go even further. Uh, the, the second step, and that's something that we're now starting to, to do, is to also look at innovation, patents. Here we okay. go. Yeah. Patents. Mm -hmm. Patents are free data, so it's uh, open source. You can go and gather all patents data from since the, I would say, I think, beginning of the of the 19th century uh, on Google. Yeah. You can look at what this patent content. You can eventually also have methodology to see if these patents are breakthrough patents, if they are disruptive. So there are there is academic research on how to filter and sort patents and the quality of the patents. And, uh, and that's also something that uh, we, we're working on uh, at Asteria. And finally, you have a third way is to uh, is to look at you know uh, what the firms are writing uh, in their uh, annual reports and, and see if uh, research and innovation, climate concerns, and everything are uh, are you know really uh, important matters for for, for the company. Mm -hmm. This enables you eventually, you know, to to eliminate a false some false positives, some eventually companies that are in the in the activities that yeah. are of a positive impact, but may not have a, a business model or may not really be very impactful uh, be and, and just yeah. there by you know by by statistical error. Yeah, interesting. So overall, I think uh, screening these firms is uh, is uh, is easy. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have the uh, if you have the data, if you have the technological um, setup to to do so, mm -hmm. and there are more, uh, we know that you know uh, you know computing is becoming fast. That uh, you, know, yeah. you have more and more um, available information out there. So our philosophy is to say, let's use it. Let's use everything we can to be able to 
somehow uh, screen uh, the largest possible universe we can in order to come up with idea, investment ideas, name, which are not those that are given and published by brokers and in the portfolio of each of our competitors. And of course, we're going to have some names that are also in the portfolios of competitors, normal. Of course, of course. But we try really to uh, to work a bit differently by by you know somehow relying on on data and technology to try to find investment ideas. And then, of course, you know, uh, not all impact companies are good companies. Sure, exactly. I, mean, I, I mentioned the fact that yeah, uh, they will uh, they will probably grow. Uh, they, they are innovative, they will probably grow, but among all these impact companies, you have some companies that, uh, you know, are, are simply not profitable, that are too leveraged, yeah. uh, that are too expensive. Yeah. And you also need to sort this out and uh, and do your homework in terms of financial analysis. And then be, be ultimately be careful there as well. And that's also part of the job. Huh? Well, Guido, we're approaching the, the end of the session. Thank you so much for taking the time. It was a pleasure having you here. Thank you. And hopefully we can explore a little bit further as the story continues, um, maybe in another session somewhere down the road. It would yeah. be a pleasure to have you again. I also. Thank you, Dominic. Thank you to all our listeners. And uh, join us again um, in another episode uh, next week for uh, some more insightful uh, things from the front line of impact investing. It would be a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye, everyone.